You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. My friend Henry lived in the low-income apartments by our inner city church that got shut down due to being infested with bedbugs. So Henry had to move. But before he moved, he was a big gift giver in our lives. And even since he's moved, he's dropped back at the church every now and then just to bring presents to me and to my husband and to my kids. So Henry brings us all sorts of things. Henry will often bring me candy. He once gave us an entire used suitcase full of VHS tapes of kids' movies for my kids, even though we didn't have any way to play VHS tapes at our house. One time he brought us a fire extinguisher for our kitchen. Another time he, he came by the church and he said, hey, hey, Pastor Christy, here's, here's $10. I want you to take the $10 and I want you to go with your family to that greasy chicken place down the street. You know, the place where the chicken's really greasy and you eat it and it, the grease dribbles down your face. Yeah, I want you to go there and buy your, buy your family some dinner. I thought, thanks, Henry, that sounds really appetizing. And there's another time he, he came to church and he brought a couple of frozen burritos and he said, I just wanted to share some of my food with you. And those frozen burritos sat in a plastic bag through a couple church services and then went home with us. And uh, Henry loved to give presents. And I always just did what, I, what you had to do in those situations. You said, thank you. Thank you, Henry, for the gift. Similarly, we had a neighbor that I'll call Eduardo, and Eduardo saw that we had gone through a, a terrible thing in our home. We actually had gone through a break-in, and a bunch of things had been destroyed in our home. We lost a bunch of our appliances, and he saw a broken refrigerator that was sitting out in front of our house. And Eduardo came over, and he said, oh, I see, I see your refrigerator is broken, and I want to give you a, my, I have an extra refrigerator. I will give you a refrigerator. And we said, you know, thank you, but we actually had just, our insurance covered it, and we have a new one that we're going to get, and we're, we're actually okay. We don't need a refrigerator. He said, oh, he looked really disappointed. Oh, okay. Well, um, I have an extra chair. I have this really comfy chair, and it's, it's been, we've had it for a little while. It has some, a, a, just a little tear in it, not a, not a problem, but can, can you take this chair? And I was like, oh, you know, really, we don't have another place to put the chair in our house. And then, he, again, he looked disappointed, and he said, well, I have a coffee table. Can you take a coffee table? And then I realized, oh, Eduardo really wants to give me a present, and I really just need to say yes. I didn't need a coffee table, had a coffee table, but I said, Eduardo, yes a coffee table would be great. And what I was learning in some of those early years of doing our urban church planting was that me coming in as the person who had gifts to give, gifts of Jesus and gifts of resources, and I had education and I had things that, that my, my poor neighbors didn't have, I needed to be in a position of receiving. I had to say yes to the gifts because it was just as important for my friends to give to me as it was for them to receive from me. And that lesson has stuck with me in many ways. It has stuck with me also in my relationship with God, because there are times in my relationship with God where I want to be polite to God, or I want to let God off the hook and say, oh God, that's okay. You don't need to do anything for me. I'm, I'm fine, God. I don't want to put myself in a vulnerable position of, 
of needing God for anything that I really have to need. Like, I like, I like having God to help me with extra stuff that I do, but I, I don't necessarily always want to rely on God for what I really need, and so I keep my expectations low for God. When all along, I think that God has much bigger gifts for us that we simply need to receive. And tonight I want to talk about a gift that God has for us, a gift called the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at Ezekiel chapter 37, and the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. Say ruach with me. You'll probably spit in your masks when you do. Ruach hakodesh. Ruach means spirit. Hakodesh means the holy. Ruach means wind. It means spirit. It means breath. This breeze that you're feeling right now, they would call ruach. The feeling of the presence of God, they would call ruach. The breath of God that, bring, that gives life, they would call ruach. And so I'm going to read Ezekiel 37 in the passage that we've been looking at this week. I'm going to read it and put the Hebrew word ruach in everywhere that it appears in that, in that passage of scripture. Ezekiel 37 verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the ruach of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make ruach enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put ruach in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no ruach in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the ruach. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, ruach, from the four ruach, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and ruach entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. That's a lot of breath. That's a lot of God's breath and God's blowing all over this passage from the four winds, from the north, south, east, and west, from the, the breath that was breathed into the bodies, from the, the breath, the spirit of the Lord that carried Ezekiel into the valley. There's a lot of God's breath blowing all over this passage. And this passage is all about the Holy Spirit blowing everything up with his life-giving presence. I love how the Holy Spirit is functioning in this passage. It talks about the Holy Spirit carrying Ezekiel out to this graveyard of dry bones. There's this picture of the Holy Spirit pursuing and probing. This picture of the Holy Spirit swirling around the bones, getting in everybody's business. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit investigating this graveyard of dry bones, poking, checking everything out. 
It's a picture of the Holy Spirit being summoned from far places and the Holy Spirit coming. The Holy Spirit today is, if, if you are a believer in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have been given a deposit of the Holy Spirit in you. If you are not a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is swirling around you, still connecting with your life, still calling out to you. The Holy Spirit swirls around the lost. The Holy Spirit blows like the wind all around those who are in dark times of sin. This Holy Spirit haunts our arguments, swirls around us during our bickering and our fighting. This Holy Spirit whirls through our streets and through our dark alleys and gusts into the darkest corners of our closets. This Holy Spirit shows up at the bar and wafts into the rafters, chasing his people. He ventures into the dark nights and he sees our secrets. This, this Holy Ghost meets us in our unholiest places. He flows through our mud and our slime in our lives, through our dark choices. And he taps us on the shoulder, saying, can these bones live? The Holy Spirit reminds me a little bit of my one-year-old golden doodle puppy named Tuck. It's not because my dog is holy. My dog is not sanctified and probably has a little bit of the other in him. He's very naughty. He gets into trouble every day. We are in the advanced puppy class. We just started last week. We are in the advanced puppy class in puppy school, but it's only because they automatically graduated everybody who showed up at the beginner puppy class, not because we really deserved to advance to the next level. So Tuck does not resemble the Holy Spirit in terms of holiness, but when it comes to persistent pursuit, Tuck nails it. As I pictured the Holy Spirit in this passage, carrying Ezekiel out in his spirit into the valley of dry bones, and, and the spirit carrying him into the middle of the dry bones cemetery, and as I pictured the Holy Spirit of God blowing with the breath of God, I, I picture the spirit nosing around the bones, wafting through the bones, going through the graveyards of our lives. My dog doesn't miss anything. He checks everything out. He is curious. If it is there, he will find it. He greets me at the door with enormous enthusiasm. He is always happy to see me. The other day, I came home, and he was upstairs, and he must have heard the door shut, and so he, I, I heard him kind of stirring upstairs, and, and meanwhile, I moved through the house. And at, by the time he came downstairs, I had already moved to the back of the house. And from a distance, I saw him trot down the stairs, then he crossed into the living room looking for me. Then when he didn't find me, he backtracked to the dining room, and then he, his head is turning swiftly from side to side everywhere, looking for me. Where's Christy? Where's Christy? And then he trotted right past me into the kitchen, didn't realize I was there, then he backtracked, and then he found me. And then it was puppy kisses and this violently wagging tail. He was so delighted to find me. And just as my puppy is committed to finding me, the Holy Spirit is pursuing you. Now, the Holy Spirit never loses track of you, but he comes after you, delighted to see you, constantly, regularly seeking you out, persistently pursuing you. Whether you are a Christian or not, the Holy Spirit 
is regularly coming after you. There's a lot of the Holy Spirit available. There's a lot of the Holy Spirit available to all of you. In Ezekiel 37, verse 7, Ezekiel says, he was told by the Lord to prophesy to the bones, and, and as he does so, there is flesh and muscle and sinews, and these bones start rattling together, and these bodies start to form. But then we just end up with, with bodies that aren't alive yet. It says at the end of verse 7, but there was no breath in them. So we have a body with no breath. And it is the breath of God that is the difference between death and life. The Holy Spirit is the difference between spiritual death and spiritual life. This is what we're talking about today. This phrase, there was, no, there was no breath in them. That's a harrowing phrase. I think so often we are Christians walking around with just little gasps of air. Not empowered by the Holy Spirit. Not breathing deeply of the Spirit that is available to us. It's like the description in the New Testament that says having a form of godliness but denying its power. No Holy Spirit power for me. That's, that's for other people. And I want to encourage you tonight with the abundant availability of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit is abundant. The Holy Spirit is available and it's not just for special people, it's ordinary people like me and you. So today I'd like to talk about three characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Three things you should know if you're trying to understand who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit works. Number one, the Holy Spirit is reliable and unpredictable. So if you're taking notes, this would be one to write down. The Holy Spirit is reliable and unpredictable. The Holy Spirit is reliable and that you can be confident that the Holy Spirit is available. The Holy Spirit is here. If, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is in your life. Ephesians 1.13 says, when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you if you are a believer in Jesus. God has always been interested in being with us. It's what the whole story of the Bible is about. When his relationship with us was broken in Genesis, the rest of the, the whole rest of Genesis, the whole rest of the Bible, is all, also about God getting back in relationship with us. God being with us. God has always desired close and personal presence with his people. From when he walked in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. When he lived with his people in the pillar of cloud and fire. When he descended upon the temple in his presence and he put his presence over the temple and the Israelites were wandering in the deserts, he was with them. When he sent his son Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, he was trying to be close to us. And then in, the, in, in Acts, he sends his Holy Spirit to be with us even more closely, even more fully than what had ever happened before, everywhere, every day for all believers. He has always been about being with his people. And you can rely on him to be available to you. Now, while the Holy Spirit is reliable and trustworthy, the Holy Spirit is also unpredictable. 
Just because you can rely on the Holy Spirit and, and know that he is present, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is tame. This is another thing that the, my dog and the Holy Spirit have in common. My dog is not tame yet. I never know what's going to happen. But the Holy Spirit is not tame. The Holy Spirit can't be controlled or manipulated in a particular way. While the Holy Spirit is reliable, he's also unpredictable. The Bible tells us God's ways are our ways. His thoughts aren't either. God, the Holy Spirit is not tame. He's, he's a little bit wild. There are multiple stories in the New Testament about, about non, non-Christians who saw the Holy Spirit at work. And they said, wow, Spirit of God, this is powerful. I want some of that. And, they, and then they tried to buy it. Simon the sorcerer saw the Holy Spirit at work. And he said, how much does it cost? In the Old Testament, we have Saul and the witch of Endor, and he, he, paid, he wanted to pay this witch for magic. The Holy Spirit isn't magic that you can just make happen. The Holy Spirit has a mind of his own. You can pray to the Holy Spirit. You can ask the Holy Spirit for power, but the Holy Spirit is wild and free. The Holy Spirit's going to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I love that phrase in, in the scriptures that, say, that says the wind blows where it pleases. In fact, that's been my prayer for this week of Fall Revival at Asbury. The wind blows where it pleases, meaning the Spirit is going to do what the Spirit wants to do. The Holy Spirit is wild and free. The ancient Celts called the Holy Spirit the wild goose. And in the Valley of Dry Bones, Ezekiel had no idea what God was going to do. So the Holy Spirit carries him to bones. The Lord tells him to prophesy to the bones. And then he sees the bones rattle together. And then he sees the Holy Spirit inhabit the bodies. You know, Ezekiel did not know what the Holy Spirit was going to do. And you can't predict it either. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, you're just along for the ride. The Holy Spirit is always reliable, but also unpredictable. Point two, the Holy Spirit is ordinary and extraordinary. Now, I I think that a lot of us understand the whole extraordinary part of the Holy Spirit. We've heard some crazy stories. We've read the book of Acts, and we've read about the day of Pentecost when, when the Holy Spirit was given to all believers, and tongues of fire fell from heaven, and they started speaking in other languages, and then they couldn't contain themselves. They went out and started talking to everybody about Jesus in people's own languages. We've, we've heard of these kinds of extraordinary stories, mighty, mysterious movements of God. The Holy Spirit often likes to be ordinary, too. He does both. The Holy Spirit is is given to all believers, not just special ones. The Holy Spirit is available for all here at Asbury University. And look in the passage at who the Spirit is being given to. The breath of God goes into the dead The breath of God goes into those who were slain in battle, who died a terrible death and are in dishonorable defeat. These are the people who lost. These were the losers. These were the disasters, the hopeless causes. These were people who were clearly too far gone. And the Holy Spirit comes on them. This is a message of hope for us, that the 
Holy Spirit works with ordinary people. Why do we miss so much of the everyday, ordinary work of the Spirit? I recently started a new practice, well, recently, a couple years ago, started a new practice in my life with, with my Bible reading and prayer time, and I, I began something called Review Days. And so now, about every, after I read about five chapters of Scripture, it usually takes me a week or two to read five chapters of Scripture, and, and after I read five chapters of Scripture, I, I pause and I don't read anymore. I just go back and I look at my journal of what I've written down the last few days. Now, all I write in my journal are just things that I want to remember, things that stuck out in Scripture, something important I was praying about. I just have usually a couple little things written in my journal. And on, on my review days, I don't look for more content. I simply try to look back and see what jumps out at me and what the Spirit had been doing in my life. And I can't even tell you how amazing it is that I forget what God does even two days after he does it. And so often on my review days, I am surprised of, oh, yes, three days ago, God did this thing. Or two days ago, I prayed for this, and look what God did. Or, or just a couple days ago, I read this passage of Scripture, and wow, that, that is even more meaningful to me now. It, there's been something about this practice of review that has made me realize the power of the Holy Spirit in the ordinary parts of my life. We so often miss the everyday work of the Spirit. Why do we miss the Spirit so much? If the Spirit is truly abundant and if the Spirit is truly available and everywhere, and if, if the Spirit is, if there's so much Holy Spirit that's available for all of us, why are we missing it? I, I think that a lot of times it's, I, I'm wearing spiritual noise canceling headphones. Maybe those headphones are stress, maybe it's worry, maybe it's my love of other things, maybe it's distraction, but other things keep me from hearing the Holy Spirit. There's a story from old-fashioned times. Before there were refrigerators, there, there were ice houses. And ice houses had thick walls and no windows and a tightly fitted door. And they would fill it with sawdust and, and blocks of ice. And that would be, these were these primitive refrigerators. So in the winter, when streams and lakes were frozen, they'd, they'd cut these large chunks of ice and haul them to the ice house, cover with sawdust, and often the ice would last into the summertime. There's a story about a man who once lost a, a valuable watch while he was working in the ice house, and he looked and looked and looked, couldn't find it, raked through the sawdust. His, his fellow workers came, everybody's trying to help him, but they couldn't find it. There was a little boy who heard about this search, and so... He slipped into the ice house during the noon hour when all the men were breaking for lunch. And he finds the watch. The men are amazed. They say, how did you find this watch? And the boy says, I closed the door. I laid down in the sawdust. And I sat very still. And soon I heard the watch ticking. A lot of times we miss the Holy Spirit because we just need to go somewhere, shut the door, lay down in the sawdust for a minute, and keep very still. This beautiful Holy Spirit is in all of our ordinary moments. And sometimes it takes a minute for our ears to adjust. Because when we're used to the noise of the world, it can be hard for us to pay attention. But let's wake up to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is reliable and unpredictable. 
the Holy Spirit is ordinary and extraordinary. And then third, the Holy Spirit is essential and extravagant. The Holy Spirit is essential in that it's necessary for life. We can't function without the Spirit. These dead bodies in Ezekiel 37 would not have come back to life without the breath of God coming in them. We cannot function without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is also extravagant, an added blessing, a, a lavish gift from God. We, we often think of the Holy Spirit as an added bonus. Like, okay, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a, a faithful Christian, and if I get a little Holy Spirit, bonus. I'm just going to go on and do my thing, and if, if I get some Holy Spirit, then good, it's just a little extra. We often think of that as something extra, but the fact is that he has given us his Spirit. We only need to wake up to his presence. I shared this with you a couple years ago when I was here, but I'm, I'm going to share it again because it's something that I keep living with myself. Think about mining for gold. When someone mines for gold, you dig with your pickaxe through hard rock. And after lots of hard work, if you're lucky, you eventually get a little bit of gold ore. In fact, they say that most gold ore today contains only microscopic grains of gold, and it takes tons of rock to produce ounces of gold. It is scant. It is rare. And there have been times in my life when I have thought that is exactly how it is with the Holy Spirit. If I work really hard, if I swing my pickaxe enough times, and if I get a ton of rock, then eventually I'm going to get a little scant bit of Holy Spirit, and it's going to be worth it, and it's going to be so good. That's been my view of the Holy Spirit in the past, that the Holy Spirit is scant, rare, hard to get. But this isn't the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is not scant and rare like gold. The Holy Spirit is abundant and essential like oxygen. Take a deep breath wherever you are right now. Take a deep breath. Did you get enough oxygen? Okay, take another deep breath. Good, take, take one more. All right, are we running out yet? Is there enough for you to take one more breath of oxygen? Go ahead and take one more breath. Are we running a little low? Are we depleted in oxygen levels here? No, there's so much oxygen. It's available. We can keep breathing. We can keep taking breaths. This is how it is with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not scant and rare like gold. The Holy Spirit is abundant and essential to our very lives like oxygen. That is the abundance of God that is available to us. You cannot live without him. Ezekiel 37 verse 9. He says, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Ezekiel calls the Ruach from the four winds, the, the north, south, east, and west. He calls the Ruach, and there is so much spirit coming from all directions. When he summons it, it comes, and it is all over the place. There's so much available. And not only, in, in, it would be miraculous enough if the, uh, there would be enough breath of God that would come to resurrect one person. But it's not just one. 
a vast army resurrects. God's got enough Holy Spirit for each of you. God is not going to run out of Holy Spirit, filling up a few people here and there. He has an abundant supply of Holy Spirit for all his people. I want you to hear this joyful message tonight, this encouraging word that the Holy Spirit is abundant, that the Holy Spirit is available, that your life can be radically different from what it's been. Whether you are a believer or not a believer, there is Holy Spirit available for you to take you deeper, to give you an abundant life, and to do things with you that you would have never imagined. Can these bones live? Yes, these bones can live. Do you want more Holy Spirit? God wants to bring life to your dry bones. Band, come on up. God wants to bring life. Whatever you might have dry bones from, whether it's never coming alive to Christ to begin with, whether it's drifting away, whether it's you've gone through some stuff and you're, you're tired out and worn out and a little dried up, God is inclined toward you. God wants to bring life to your dry bones. There is this gift called the Holy Spirit that God wants to give to you. And some of you are saying, oh, no, God, that's okay. I don't, I don't want to bother you. No, God, that's, I, don't, I don't want that gift, God. But God is saying, I have so much for you. You can't even imagine how much I have for you. Luke eleven thirteen says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? If, if Eduardo and Henry wanted to give me gifts, how much more does God want to give you his Spirit? Receiving the Holy Spirit has a lot less to do with some big dramatic experience and a lot more to do with waking up to his presence all around us.